Hey. <laughs> As they say in my hometown of Union, hi, y'all. How's your mom and them? Do y'all know what mom and them means? Yeah. I, I tell somebody, you know, it's, it's a short for your mother and those others. You know, your mom and them. I'm glad to be back again. I'm glad that uh, Kenny and them got down to uh, everybody else said no, and finally I said yes. Uh, and so I'm glad, I'm glad to be here back. I enjoy being here with you. I always enjoy what Bryant does with uh, the music. And I thought I recognized this stuff, you know. And then I saw it. They were very, most of you can't see this, but you see this pom-pom right here? Do you know what it says behind it? River Bluff. Yeah. And I think that's one of my wigs over there. I, I, I don't know. Well, uh, I promised I would have you out by one. So if you'll get your Bibles and open them, please, to Genesis chapter 12. I put in your notes today that I was going to go all the way to verse 3, but I think I'm just going to do verse 1 and 2. So if you have your Bibles, I'm reading from the English Standard Version uh, today. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to pray together now. And at the end of the prayer, I will lead us in what Jesus called the model prayer. And if you would, we'll use the word uh, debts for trespasses. We'll use debts. Would you pray with me? Uh, our Father and our God, uh, my guess is, Lord, none of these people came here today because uh, I or Bryant or anybody else was going to be here. We're, we're here today because we need you. We really need you. And so I pray today, Father, that your word would uh, go into hearts that are prepared, not necessarily to listen to me, but to hear, listen to you. God, you've got a word for everybody in this room. And uh, your scripture is obviously your word. Now you're going to take it and apply it to every heart. So I pray, God, that I'll not get in the way. Uh, I pray that my preparation will not get in the way. I, I pray that anything that's going on in our hearts and minds that might block us from hearing from you, I pray that we just kind of put that aside. And we would say the same thing that Samuel did, Lord, uh, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Lord, speak for your people are listening. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And would you join me now praying, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is a, the story of God calling Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, and God's calling him from the place where he lived for 75 years. He lived for 75 years. I just had my 70th birthday last week, so I can't imagine what it would be like five years from now for, you know, the Lord to say, okay, Kurt, I want you to leave your country 
your kindred and your father's house to go to a land that I will show you. I mean, I, I could imagine me saying, Lord, where exactly are we going? And uh, he would say, I'll let you know. And I'd say, well, which direction do I go? It, it, the promised land can't be up north. <laughs> That's bad. I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody from Ohio. No, no. Um, I can't imagine that. There's a great verse in Hebrews where it said, Abram left not knowing where he was going. And so God has told him here in this passage, he said, look, I want you to leave where you've been living for the last 75 years. Leave everything there, all your relatives and everything, leave them all. And we're just going to head this way and I'll let you know when you get there. He said, however, when you get there, I'll show you there is a, a land that I'm going to give you. God says, I'm going to give you this land. He says, and not only will I give you this land, but I'm also going to make you into a great nation. And I'm going to bless you. And you will be a blessing. Now just imagine how overwhelming that had to be to Abram to know that God is, God is saying, you, you have to leave here in order to go there. You know, I've noticed that one of God's uh, regular practices is that you need to leave behind some things in order to receive the deeper gift. You know, you can't steal second with your foot on first. You know, that there are times where you have to give up what you already have in order to receive the deeper gift from God. And so Abram, being a man of faith, he leaves. And eventually, you know, from him comes the nation of Israel and much of the Arab nations. And from him comes this beautiful promise. This beautiful. Now, the third verse says that God will actually cause all of the world to be blessed through Abraham. And we look at, we know what that is, really, right? It's through Abraham, Jesus. Jesus came as a descendant of the Jewish people. And Jesus died on the cross, taking our place on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, cleansing us from sin, and helping us to be set free from the penalty and the power of sin. And so he says, you know, this is going to be the promise. Romans chapter 2 all the way to Romans chapter 9, part of Galatians 3. Paul tells us there that the children of the promise are those of us who are the people who by faith are in a relationship with God. Abraham trusted God. We trust God. We trust Jesus. All, all of our life is based on trusting Jesus. And that's why we say maybe we're blessed. However, however, if you were to look at Abraham's life and some of those succeeding and you would look at the scriptures, it would show you that his blessing was very material and personal. He had a, a lot of uh, livestock. He had a lot of gold, a lot of silver. Uh, he had a lot of uh, people. He had a lot of descendants. Millions of people, you know, were his descendants. He had, he had grandchildren and, and children and grandchildren, all of this. None of this that he knew, had when he was called, but God gave him all of that. It would be our tendency to look at Abraham and say, 
Man, he is one blessed man. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, my birthday party, and there were a lot of friends there, and all of my grandchildren were there, and uh, there were some people I haven't seen in a long time and, and everything, and we were at, at the party, and one of my friends came and told me, he said, you know, Kurt, you are really a blessed man. And I said, well, why do you say that? He said, well, look around you. you know, there, there were a lot of friends, you know, there was, a, there was cake and ice cream and other forms of chocolate that God ordained. They were all there. So all of these things, and it, it, it was wonderful, and we even danced a little bit. Now, those of you that are independent Baptists, I'm sorry. You know, for the rest of you, though, I know how to shag. My wife and I both know how, you know, we've been doing beach dancing for years. So I, I'm looking around at all these things that he says are the blessings of my life and everything. I say, well, you know, probably the greatest blessing I have, though, is not really all these grandchildren and children and friends and the fact that we could have a party and all that. He said, well, what, what, what would you say is your greatest blessing? I said, well, I, 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 you know I'm a preacher, but I'm going to tell you, this is not because I'm a preacher. This is because I'm a disciple. The greatest blessing in my life is Jesus. Now, that's not just piety talking. For example, if you were to, to say to Abraham, are you a blessed man? He would say, well, look at all I've got. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. You know another American word that would, fit, that would fit appropriately in that sentence? How about the word lucky? I'm lucky. Got a lot of kids. Got some money. Got retirement. Got my health. Relatively lucky person. Well, there's a, you know, I don't believe in luck. You know, I, I am a blessed person. So we say, you know, Abraham's blessed. He's got all these things and all these people and all this money and fame and everything and this promise and all that. That's, that's why he's blessed. However, that's the Old Testament saying that. How about if you came over to what Jesus said? I've been studying the Sermon on the Mount now for about two months, just reading the entire sermon every day, trying to memorize it as I go. Would, how about this first part of Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Wow, those who don't have a lot of spirit, they're blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. Really? There's a memorial service today for a 15-year-old little boy that died from a disease. He actually lived longer than his mom and dad thought he was going to live. But there's a little memorial service that's going on today for Merrick Bogner that passed away just the other day. I, I, can you imagine me going to his mom and dad and say, oh, how blessed you are. Your son just died. Or how about going over to the end of the blessed Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed are you when men persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil falsely against you on my account. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Could, could you imagine one of your friends loses his job because he's a Christian? And, and he loses his job, and because of that, he loses his home, and he, loses, and he has to live out of his car, and he has no money at all. And I go to him and say, blessed are you. See, we have to take captive the word blessing and blessed. And understand that to be blessed is not to have stuff. 
It's not to possess things. The blessing that you and I have is not our situation, our context, our circumstances, our riches, our, wealth, whatever, our health. That's not the blessing. The blessing is the same blessing that God referred to when he was talking to Abram. It's Jesus. The ultimate blessing is Jesus. And if you have been born again, if you have repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus, then you have more than a home in heaven. You have the Holy Spirit of Jesus living in you. And he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, he says, There is absolutely nothing in heaven or in earth that will ever separate you from the love of God. So we, we are people, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are blessed because Jesus is your Lord, your Savior, your God, your King, your trust, your security, your future. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. And no one can take that away from you if you are born again in Jesus Christ. You are the blessed. If your health is bad, you are the blessed. I remember telling a friend of mine, I had a stroke about 15, almost 16 years ago. And I remember being in ICU at, uh, at the hospital. And I remember people coming to see me. And one of my buddies asked me, he came in and he said, how you doing, Bradford? I said, I'm blessed, brother. And of course, I, had to, I, would, I, couldn't, speak, I couldn't speak clearly. So I said, I am blessed. And he, he said, say it again, brother. And I said, well, I'm blessed. He said, how can you say you're blessed? You know, you're laying there in the bed. You can't move your right side at all. And you don't know whether you're going to live or not. And I, I said, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. So when my health is good, I am blessed. When my health is terrible, I am blessed. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we, I should be, oh, Lord, I've got cancer. Thank you very much. Of course not. But I know that the presence of Jesus is with me no matter what circumstances I'm in. Whether I'm prospering or whether I'm in trouble. Whether I'm feeling good or I'm feeling bad. Whether things are going like I want them to or they're going like I would hate for them to go to. I am blessed because I know Jesus. See, now understanding that, giving a hold of that, you begin to understand that your circumstances will kind of fluctuate between good and bad. There will be good times and there will be bad times. There will be times where everything's going like you want it to go and there will be times when nothing's going like you want it to go. There will be times when you have a lot and there will be times where you don't have enough. There will be times when you're hungry and there will be times when you're well fed. There will be all of those times. But in every single one of them, you can say with absolute integrity, if you know him, I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. And we're not talking just about positive thinking here. We're not just talking about, you know, there's a pony in there somewhere. We're talking about living in the presence of God, having a relationship with God that's real, that's dynamic. I'm not talking about just looking up into the sky and, and saying some words and hope there's somebody there. It's living in the presence of God 24-7. It's when you know he's, he's got you. It's when you know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. 
It is the presence of God. So you are blessed. Once you get that nailed down into your head, how God feels about you, what he thinks about you, what your destiny is, all of those things make you with all integrity to say, I, I am a blessed man. I am a blessed woman. I'm a blessed boy. I'm a blessed girl. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am blessed. But now, with relationship comes responsibility. With relationship comes responsibility. Because as you see what Paul, I mean, what Jesus had said through uh, the Holy Spirit to Abram, he says, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. So that you will be a blessing. And later on, so that you'll be a blessing to all of the world. We are blessed in Christ, but there's a reality that we are blessed to bless. Did you get that? We are blessed to bless. And you can put the words in order if that helps you. Blessed in order to bless. God's plan to bless the world is to save a group of people called the church and then deploy them into the world to be a blessing. So how can I be a blessing? I want to suggest three ways. Three ways that any disciple of Jesus, I think, can be a blessing. The first way is this. You can bless people by the kind of person we are, the kind of people that we are. What kind of people are we going to be? We live in a world sometimes that I just get, do any of you ever get angry at the, at the way the world looks? I mean, I do. Uh, James chapter 1, though, says that the anger of man cannot accomplish the righteousness of God. In other words, we're not, we're not going to make the world a better place by being angry. It doesn't work that way. But we can bless other people by the kind of people that we are. What kind of people are we going to be? When my mom and dad divorced, uh, I was 12 years old. My siblings were 6, 5, and 4. We were, had been living six years at Fort Benjamin Harrison, Indiana, right outside of Indianapolis. And whenever my mom and dad divorced, we moved to Union, South Carolina, to live with my grandmother and my grandfather. So my grandmother and my grandfather in their little house all of a sudden had five more people uh, living there. And so uh, we attended First Baptist Church. Uh, and uh, the, I remember going to church, and we had something back then called BTU. How many of you remember what BTU is? Oh, yeah, my peers. Um, BTU stood for Baptist Training Union. Uh, that, that's what we had. It later became church training. And how many of you remember BYPU? There's, oh, my goodness gracious. Bless you, my dear. Bless you. <laughs> that, one is, that was a little bit older than training union. Uh, BYPU was, was same, the same thing. It met on Sunday nights. You know what I remember about uh, training union? I remember Lucille Metter. Now, y'all don't know Lucille Metter, I know. She's not famous. And she's never been in a movie or anything like that. Lucille Metter was our training union teacher. She taught us in training union. And when my mom and, and all of us moved to union... I started going to training union. Lucille Metter was my training union teacher. She taught seventh grade kids on Sunday night. And I have to tell you, I don't remember a single word Lucille Metter ever said. Now, part of that's because of my age. I understand that. But I'll tell you what I do remember. 
I remember what kind of person she was. I remember her kindness. Uh, I, I remember her patience with, with sev- if you can be patient with seventh graders, you can be patient with anybody. She was patient. She was kind. She, she knew that my mother, she didn't know the circumstances of how we got to be there, but she knew that all of a sudden here was a young woman with four kids, 12, 6, 5, and 4, living with her parents in one room. All of us, we had one room. They, built, they enlarged the back porch for us eventually. But Lucille Metter knew that, and so she loved on us. She loved on us. She cared for us. She, she, she blessed us by the kind of person that she was. You know what Jesus says about you, disciple of Jesus? You're the salt of the earth. You are. Not you could be. Not that you might be. Not that you ought to try real hard. You are. And then he said, you are the light of the world. You and I. Little old us. Salt and light. My son and grandson Jimmy has been with us for a little while now. And I remember one time that we went to eat together. Well, we, we were actually, well, this was another situation. He was actually, uh, did something nice to his little sister, Ellie. Uh, Jimmy will be 14 next month, and Ellie is 9. And he did something nice to Ellie. I forget what it was that he did, but uh, we were talking together, and I said, Jimmy, I am so proud of you. And he said, why, Papa? What I do? And I said, well, it, it wasn't necessarily what you did. It's the kind of person you're becoming. I mean, what, who you, it's who you are. At that, at that point, I mean, that's an abstract concept. You know, a lot of children don't get abstract concepts. They deal mostly in concrete. You know, and, and I, so I had to kind of explain a little bit that I'm talking, you were kind. You were gentle. You were patient. You were gentle. I mean, those, all of those things. Well, see, that's the kind of people we want to be. You know a good word to describe the kind of people we should be if we want to bless the world? How about Christ-like? Christ-like. Romans chapter 8, it says, God says his goal for us is to conform us to the image of his son. Christ-likeness is God's goal for your life. And he's wondering, well, what does that mean? How about Galatians chapter 5? There's a description there of here's what it looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Self-control. I want to be a kind person. I want to be a gentle person. You know, I, I, I don't remember uh, asking a young person what they wanted to be that they ever said Christ-like or, or kind or loving. It's almost always doctor, lawyer, football coach, teacher, mom, I mean, it was, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's like, that's, that's kind of like, and when you say, well, how about being a good person? They go, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that too. It's like it's number 12 on the list. But one of the ways we bless the world is the kind of people that we are. We are God's people put on this world. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And you and I can actually choose what kind of person we're going to be. 
I, I have a, a dear friend who, who their favorite expression is, well, look, that's just how I am. Take it or leave it. And, I, and my response, which was not received that warmly, but my response was, so you're saying God can't change you? Listen, if, you, if you're a stingy person, you can be a generous person. If you're a harshly critical person, you can be an encouraging person. If you're a selfish person, you can be generous. Do, do you understand? See, because the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, which is the word gymnazo, which means to train. You can train yourself to be a better person. You can do that. And it blesses the world when we're better people. The, the, the people on earth that should reflect Jesus the most are his disciples. Would you agree? The second way, though, that you can bless the world, it's actually available to you. You can bless the world by the way that you live. By the way you live. It matters how you live. Uh, I mentioned my grandson, Jimmy. We, uh, we do something called coffee. Uh, it's called coffee talks. He's, he's never watched Saturday Night Live, so he doesn't remember that there was a comedy sketch about, you know, coffee talks. So he didn't know that, but we have these coffee talks, and it's where Papa and grandson, my oldest grandson, is where we can talk about whatever he wants to talk about. And yes, it is exciting. It was very exciting yesterday because he's turning 14 in August. And uh, I don't know whether I won't go too far with this, but you do know there are biological changes in people around that age right there. So we had an interesting conversation yesterday at Starbucks. Matter of fact, I said, you know, buddy, we need to go outside and talk. You know, <laughs> we don't need to be in here. We need, but we are, we're talking about all kind of things like this, you know. And, and he was telling me, now, they live in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, his dad is an officer in the Air Force and supervises all of the recruiters in about 19 states. But they've got him in Fort Worth, Texas. And so he's going to a school there. He's only been going there about four or five months. And, well, his school is out now, but he's always was there for four or five months and everything. And he said, he said, Papa, the folks there are a little bit different. And I said, well, it is Texas, buddy. You do know that. You know, and uh, he didn't quite get it like y'all did. But, um, but he said, no, he said, they're nothing like my friends where we used to live. Now, just to give you an idea, they used to live in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, and so I said, I said, well, what, what is the difference in them? He said, I, I'm not really sure, Papa. They're just, they're just different. You know, they're just different. I said, well, so we kind of probed in there and talked in there and, and got, you know, and he said, and not many of them go to church or, or do any of those kind of things because he was really involved in a church in New Jersey where they, they loved Jesus. It was a great church, a lot of young people there. It was just wonderful. He said, but that's not what, where they are. And they haven't found the church that has that yet. And everything. So I told him, I said, buddy, let me tell you, you have a choice how you will live. You actually get to choose how you live. But the important thing is you have to choose what will be the authority in your life. And that's when he asked me, he said, well, what's the authority in your life? I said, well, it's Jesus. And I know what Jesus teaches and says and how he taught me to live through the Bible. I said, you know, that's why Papa wants you to read your Bible every day, not just so you can check off the box, but the Bible will teach you how to live. It's Jesus teaching you how to live. He said, good to know, Papa. See, you have the same choice. You, you have a choice how you will live, how you will do life. You have a choice of the kind of person you're going to be, but you also have a choice 
of what kind of life are you going to are you going to live a self-centered life? Are you going to live a, a giving life? Are you going to are you going to live the kind of life that people would say, you know, that guy, wow, he sure is a lot like I think Jesus would be. Or would they say, wow, I love the way that guy lives. Now, I told my grandson, I said, listen, if, if you decide to live according to the teachings of Jesus, in Papa's opinion, the world's not going to applaud you. And the culture is not either. We're not living in a culture that applauds righteousness or promotes righteousness. So whenever you decide, now, and I was trying to square him up and, let him, and say to him, buddy, look, I can tell you, as soon as you decide that you're going to forgive people rather than hold a grudge, as soon as you decide that you're going to tell somebody about Jesus rather than saying different strokes for different folks, as soon as you decide that you're going to walk with Jesus, as soon as you decide when one of your buddies brings you some pornography and you say, no, thank you, I can tell you the world's not going to applaud you, but Jesus will. Jesus will. You see, look what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. Talking to disciples, you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, if you choose to live as Jesus lived, or if you choose to live as Jesus would live if he were you, you are shining as a light in the world, but you are also showing people there is another way to live. Following Jesus for me, I don't follow Jesus because I have to. I follow Jesus because I believe him. I trust him. I think he knows what he's talking about. I'm thinking he is the one who made me, and so he leads me in the good and beautiful life. The life I live now, I live through faith, trust, believing Jesus the Christ. It's a way to live. And when you live that way, while the rest of the world may not be going that way, you stay on that road, and I'm not just talking about morally or ethically. I'm talking about in every way moving towards Christ-likeness, speaking the truth in love, not being a bitter, critical person, choosing to bless rather than to curse. When you do all of those things, the other people may not like it, but whenever they come to themselves, there's a point where they begin to think, who do I know? that's living a better life, a better way. And that's when they'll come. I, there are people, there are people I've led to Christ from my high school graduating class. I graduated in 1966 from Union. We've had so many uh, reunions now, I can't tell you how many we've had. But I've led several people to Christ because they remember me before Jesus. Most of them don't believe I'm even saved. What's more, a preacher. But they remember that, but then I've, I've encountered them since then, and different people have come to me and said, look, what is it? What happened? Did you, did you turn over a new leaf? Did you decide you were going to be a good guy? And, and this one, I love this one, did you start going to church? You know, what, you know what I tell them? Jesus. It's Jesus. That's it. 
And see, there are people now that don't want to hear what you think about Jesus. But you keep living the life that is for Jesus, and you will see there will be a time God will work in those people and bring them to you. He'll bring them to you. There's a third way, and I will hurry because I know it's almost 9 o'clock. Um, the third way that we can bless people is by the good that we do. The good that we do. We, we do good. Now, let me, let me make this... Well, let me say this so you get it clear. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's Jesus just said that. Then in Paul wrote this. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, you've got to be careful with this one because The Bible calls those of us who are disciples of Jesus to do good works. That is to do good things, to help other people, to bless other people, to do all of the things that are come under the category of good works. But we are not doing good works in order to get something. We're doing works, good works, because we've already got something. In other words, I don't do good works. I don't try to live a moral and upright life so that I will go to heaven when I die. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm grabbing it. I'm with him. And I'm doing good works because Jesus has saved me already and has given me the abundant life and forgiveness. So I, I do good because I am saved, not in order to be saved. Many Christians really need to get this nailed down. One of the things I've discovered in my retirement days is the number of Christians who would say, if I were to say, have you come to a place in your life where you know for certain that you were saved, they would say, well, I sure hope so. And I'm going, what do you mean you hope so? If you're trusting Jesus Christ, you can put a period at the end of the sentence, I am saved, because you are. Salvation is through Jesus Christ, not through good works, but we do good works because we are saved. You're doing vacation Bible school today, not in order to prove to God that you need to go to heaven when you die. You're doing good works, blessing the people in vacation Bible school because you're one of his. That's what we do. That's who we are. That's what we do. So we do those good works for that. And we do good to all people, not just to the people that are our friends or not just to the people that are members of our church. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43, if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Jesus has said, now, here's the blessing. It's me. You are blessed. You can bless others by the kind of person you become and you are. You can bless others by, you know, by the, by the way you live. You can bless others by the good that you do out in there. But I think the ultimate way you can bless other people is to tell them about Jesus. My friends, nothing discourages me more these days than the fact that there are more disciples of Jesus who have never even tried to lead another person to Christ. And I have to be honest with you, I, I can't, why? Why would we not? Now, I'm not talking about beat him over the head with a 10-pound King James Bible. 
I'm talking about loving people and serving people and living a certain life and asking God, God, would you open the door so that I can tell them about the blessing of my life? Jesus, would you open the door? Those of you that are volunteers this week in Vacation Bible School, you're going to have opportunities to tell someone about Jesus. It may be a mom or dad. You're thinking children, but it may be a mom or dad. Businessmen, this week in your business, you're going to have an opportunity to tell somebody that you are blessed. And when they say, oh, really? How? Jesus. You see, that name, Jesus, we shouldn't have to work to say that. It should be on our lips on a regular and faithful basis. I challenge you, Highland Park Baptist Church, you are blessed in so many ways, materially. And you're blessed with one of the sweetest fellowships around. You are blessed with great facilities. You got a great song leader, great staff. You got some money in the bank. You got a beautiful facility. Your greatest blessing is Jesus. And that's what Hanahan needs, is Jesus. Would you bow with me? I want you to pray with me. Um, obviously, we've got our eyes closed and such like that, but if what I'm praying is your prayer, then where you're seated, you just say, Lord, me too. Me too. Lord Jesus, I want to become the kind of person that you want me to become. I want to become more Christ-like. I want to be the kind of person that is filled with love and joy and peace and patience, all the fruits of the Spirit. I want to be that kind of a person. I know I'm not that kind of a person right now, but I want to be. So I'm asking you, Lord, help me to be that kind of a person. And Lord, I want to live a life that glorifies you. And it's not just that I'm obedient, it's that I'm trusting I want to trust living the way that you taught us to live because I really believe it is the right way to live, the best way to live, the good and beautiful life. I know I haven't done that in the past, and I'm sorry. I ask your forgiveness, and I ask you to help me to live a life where you would say, well done. And Lord, I would like to be able to bless people the way you did. To bless people by telling them about how much I love you. And how much you did for me. Lord, help me to realize I don't have to be a preacher. I just have to tell them what you've done for me. And Lord, I pray that you would use me to bless other people. Maybe those who are hungry or hurting. Maybe those who are needy, especially those who are not like me.
Would you help me to bless others in all that I do? Lord, I pray now you would hear the prayer of these, your people, and you would answer it in keeping with your perfect will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.